Yeah. So we had like a friend of a friend was polyamorous and approached me and he said I was giving off a vibe <laughs> and wanted, wanted to know if I was interested in dating him. And I said, no, but that is fascinating. And so I probably had an hour long conversation with him about what it was. So that kind of led me down a path of like, well, this is a friend of a friend. Then I wonder if my friend is also doing this. So we had a conversation and she was like, yeah, in fact, yes. And we had a long discussion about it. And then in the very end, I was like, so I just want to know how you have time for this because we were business partners and friends and running partners. And we did so much together. And I was just like, and so she laughed and she's like, all of this and what you want to know is how I have time for it. (laughs) Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Well, welcome to episode 305. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a wonderful conversation for you with Lauren and Lars. And last week we told you we were going to have a wonderful conversation with Shanae. But we don't have that today. Because... For some reason, the service that we use to record episodes only recorded like 30% of her side of the conversation. Yes. So we are actually going to re-record our entire interview with Shanae this coming weekend, and that will be next week's episode 306, so don't worry. Yes. Unfortunately, sometimes these things happen. This is the first time this has happened. I know. In I was trying. Three hundred and five. I was trying episodes. to diminish our disappointment. <laughs> like it's. I know it's so frustrating, but who knows? It's still going to be a fabulous conversation with Shanae. We actually decided via email today that this was part of the plan to make an even more magical conversation happen. Yes. But lucky for you, we record lots of these interviews in advance, and so we just took next week's incredible interview and moved it up in early just, a week early. Just shuffled it around a little bit. Just shuffled it around. <laughs> so today we are talking to Lauren and Lars. Yep. They've been married for 18 years and exploring the swinging lifestyle, mostly the swinging lifestyle, I'd say, with a little bit of blurring here it's a and there. shady at times, <laughs> yeah. perhaps. For the last five years. They slowly entered the swinging lifestyle and kind of have paved their own way. And we talk about their wonderful journey. I think it was like, it was a slow burn. And then it was like, jump right in. Super, super hot. (laughs) So it's an amazing story. And we're so grateful to both of them for coming on, for reaching out, for sharing the story with us. And for some of the really beautiful conversations we had in here around their their early days of non-monogamy for them and really kind of like what that looked like in great detail. And also sort of the the conversation around blurring the lines between friends, friends with benefits, and what other sort of forms of connecting there are, and really just sort of the overall power of human connection in all forms. Yes. So with all that said, Lauren is also a lifestyle coach who works with people, couples, and people of all 
orientations who are interested in getting into or opening their relationship or maybe have recently opened their relationship. And so please check out her website, swinginglifestylecoach.com. Links are in the podcast player show notes to learn more. And she'll talk a little bit more about her work towards the end. Now for anyone else who, anyone else, now for anyone who is a premium subscriber, we're jumping right into the interview with Lauren and Lars now. And for everyone else, we do have our announcements. First up, if you're not familiar with the premium subscription, it's a way you can skip these announcements up front, but don't worry, you still get important dates in the outro. To sign up, go to our website and scroll down on the homepage normalizingnonmonogamy.com and you'll find all the information right there. And then once you've signed up, you scroll all the way back up to the top. Click on the events tab. You're going to click on that events tab because next week, next Wednesday, September 20th, Yes. We have our virtual meet and greets are back. Yes, our virtual meet and greets are back. We're excited about these. These are an opportunity to come meet and greet with your fellow people, right? This is the opportunity. (laughs) We've been told these are the greatest virtual meet and greets in the history of virtual meet and greets hosted by Normalizing on Monogamy Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We've actually been hosting these virtual meet and greets since March of 2020. So it's been a while. We took the summer off this year, but we are back. And you can come join us for two hours of fun. We use Zoom breakout rooms and scramble you all and give you a talking point and give you lots and lots of fun. Give you, give you, provide, we provide lots of fun. Bestow upon you the fun. (laughs) Also, these are open to anyone. The only requirement is that you are open-minded and respectful. To sign up, go click on that events tab and you can find out all the information right there. Do you know why we've been doing these since the beginning of the pandemic? Uh, Because they're awesome. And because they're super duper popular and people love them. Yes. So this is one of those pandemic traditions like, masks and Lysol wiping your fruits and vegetables <laughs> that, you know, those ones went away. This one's sticking around. Yes. All masks right. haven't gone completely away. It depends on where you're at, <laughs> but we've, we've it. all stopped Lysoling our bananas. Yes, that's true. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> well, and who knows, maybe not all, but we, we have, I guess. Hey, Lysol your banana at your own risk. (laughs) All right. Next up, we wanted to tell you about our virtual community. This is an amazing place of love and support and care. There are almost 300 people who join us every single day to support each other and care for each other in our virtual platform. We've had this community going since before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. June of 2019. June of 2019. Look at me with dates today. It's getting old. (laughs) So anyway, if you would like to check it out, it's $5 a month and you get ongoing support inside of a a dedicated app chat platform. Sort of, it's like Facebook if it wasn't full of shitty people. Yeah. And they were actually like your friends and everybody treated you with love and kindness. Yes. It's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. You also get a monthly Zoom call with us. Q&A. With us and the community. Yes. And you get monthly men's and women's groups. Yes, all of the above. You get so much for $5. (laughs) It's really the best deal on the internet. I actually just had the women's group call tonight and we had 12 people on there and it was an amazing, wonderful conversation. I love it. Yeah. And the men's group is coming up. In a few days. Tonight. Actually, tonight when this episode That's right. <laughs> We're recording early. Any whoosies, we've now confused you all, but please check out the community. It is incredible, and we're super grateful to everybody who is part of it. You can find out more information on our webpage, our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community tab. 
Yes, and while you're there, you can also check out the weekly groups. These are in addition to the $5 a month. However, they're a much more intimate weekly meeting with uh, like-minded people. So more information on our website. All right. The last thing we wanted to tell you about. STDcheck.com. STDcheck.com is our favorite way to get tested for STIs. Emma and I have been using this service for years. Once we learned about it, we never went back to any other way. That's true. It's pretty amazing. If you use the links on our website, under the resources page or in your podcast player, show notes below, there are direct links. That link will save you $10, bringing the cost of a 10-panel test down to... $129. I, I, I knew it. I just wasn't quite ready for you to pass it You were it zoned out and I was bringing you back. I was. I was completely zoned out. Those links also help support the show financially, which we are extremely grateful to all of you for. And please be an amazing sexual health advocate. Use stdcheck.com or any other service you can to know your status, share your status, and be healthy out there. And a quick reminder also to reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. We would love to hear from you if you'd like to be on the podcast or have any comments, feedback, questions for us. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, we'll go talk to Lauren and Lars. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren and Lars. We are super excited to talk to you and learn about you today. We actually don't know much about either of you, so this will be fun for us to dig into all the juicy gossip. So do you mind starting just by introducing yourselves at whatever level you're comfortable? Yeah. So uh, my name is Lauren and Lars and I have been in the lifestyle for about five years. I am a relationship coach working with non-monogamous couples and um, yeah, we live in Salt Lake City. Wonderful. Anything to chime in with Lars? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, touches on. I don't have a uh, prof- any professional interests in the, the lifestyle, but I certainly enjoy my time. Uh, <laughs> Perfect, I love it. How how long have you two been together? We've been married eighteen, and friends for four years before that. So awesome, awesome. I was just going to trying to give some context to the like five years in the lifestyle. What that actually looks like as far as your relationship yes. goes. Yes. And, and then on like a day-to-day, month-to-month basis, like what does being in the lifestyle, like what does that look like for your relationship right now? Because people define that in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have typically fit more of the swinger model for a lifestyle. And I would say, you know, I suppose we hit some gray areas sometimes between polyamory and swinging, but mostly... Um, I would say swingers. Yeah, I'll I'll just add to that. I mean, I really appreciate you asking that question. Um, You know, we've met people that have been, you know, quote unquote, in the lifestyle for 10 years. And then, you know, that constitutes like, you know, there's this one really exciting time in Vegas. And then three years later, something else happens. Mm -hmm. I don't think that 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 would describe us. We're pretty active. We do a lot of dating when we travel, we meet new people, couples, singles. Um, So this is a, it's not a day to day thing, but you know, we, we, are constantly in the community uh, on a weekly basis, if not more often than that. Yeah. Yeah. And do the two of you usually date together or separate or both or? That's the gray areas, Emma. Yeah, we're, right. We're there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say mostly together and I'll leave it like that for awesome. now. <laughs> and and so then backing up, what happened, you know, five years ago or maybe before that, that cracked this world open to both of you? Do you want to start that story or? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll do the, you know, sort of the, the before part. I mean, we'd had uh, a few friends that, you know, we sort of stumbled into the fact or learned about the fact that they were, you know, in, in the lifestyle in some capacity. And we didn't even know sort of what all the different models were at the time. Right. And it was sort of a, like somebody approached and was like, so, yeah, would you be interested in dating? You know, I'm married. And it's like, what? How do you have time for this? Right. Like we're just, you know, sort of like kind of exciting and kind of confused, like how people find the extra time for, you know, social and sexual activities well beyond, you know, the responsibilities of family and work and existing commitments. And so it was sort of like, you know, there were some seeds that had gotten planted um, on a few occasions. Uh, and, you know, and then at some point I'll let, kind of take it from here. <laughs> Yeah. So there was, a, that's a little bit of foreshadowing and, um, there's kind of a funny story that goes with that, that I'll share in a moment. But, uh, then at one point, um, you know, essentially Lars turns to me and is like, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's something more. I'm like, I, what do you mean by more? And, uh, it was a very jarring conversation. And I know many people have had this jarring conversation and, um, he was like, I don't really know what more means. I just feel like it, there's something. So I was very confused and I'm like, I thought we were happy. Like, I, are we getting divorced? Like, what does this mean? Do you want a girlfriend? I don't, I have no idea what this means. And he's like, I don't really know either. And he's like, I don't think I want a girlfriend, but I just feel like there's something more. And so we started both researching online, like, resorts and sexual retreats and just different things. And what we found or what I found a lot of was a lot of those things are geared towards relationships that are having trouble. So I kept asking him, are we having trouble? Because I don't feel like we are, but do you? <laughs> Is this part of your more? He's like, no, I also am very happy. So through that research, we kind of found things like lifestyle resorts and different things that led us also down to the book, the ethical slut, which I would say that was a big turning point for us in terms of learning about lifestyle and really what the options were and the different models. And it just gave us something to like, we would read a chapter and then discuss, we have weekly date nights. We've done that since we had kids and every week we would read a chapter and then we could talk about what was interesting in that chapter and what was not interesting. And my, what I kept saying, and I will actually even say this to this day, I think a big fear for a lot of couples is like, I said, what if we end up wanting different things? But I just think, you know, either it was luck or we're together because we have similar interests or whatever. We have always really we were attracted to the same things and we have enjoyed the same things. So that really has been very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just add to that. I mean, uh, one of the things that, um, that, that sort of happened at the beginning is, you know, like I was doing some searches and Lauren was doing some searches and, and so Lauren's like, okay, I found these retreats where, you know, I think we can kind of work on our relationship or kind of, you know, there's some sexual aspects, but it sounds more like a repair shop. And then meanwhile, I was finding like desire and Hedo. And, and so we sort of had a very different idea of sort of what we were looking for. And then I was like, why are you looking at this? And she'd be like, why are you looking at that? And so 
the, sort of the interesting twist on this, it, it was sort of a, a really wonderful example is like our communication wasn't quite up to the level where we were super clear on what we were looking for. Right. I was just kind of like, I don't know, there's something else. I don't even know, know how to verbalize it, how to explain it. I don't even know what I'm feeling directly or how to explain it to you. And, you know, the wonderful thing that, that has been a, just an amazing byproduct of us entering the lifestyle is just our communication has improved, you know, tenfold. And, um, and, you know, that wasn't something that we were like, oh, we're going to go into this to like upgrade our relationship. But the, the reality is, you know, we've just, um, we've essentially been to a relationship grad school for the last five years. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, analogy, yes. For sure. Yes. Analogy. And, and I'm curious, I mean, I think too, really quick, just like the, the idea that you didn't even know, right. We don't know what we don't know. Right. And so to try to verbalize something that it's not like you, it gets talked about all the time. And so you're having to search around, maybe not the darkest corners of the internet, but definitely corners of the internet that, that there's not a lot of great, consistent, reliable information. And so totally. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious though, it sounded like if I, if I caught this right, that roughly, you know, five years ago, some friends of yours kind of came to you and were sort of asking about like opening up. Did I, did I understand that right? It was almost like it kind of got brought to you. Yeah. So we had like a friend of a friend was polyamorous and approached okay. me and he said I was giving off a vibe <laughs> and wanted, <laughs> wanted to know if I was interested in dating him. And I said, no, but that is fascinating. And so I probably had an hour long conversation with him about what it was. So that kind of led me down a path of like, well, this is a friend of a friend. Then I wonder if my friend is also doing this. So we had a conversation and she was like, yeah, in fact, yes. And we had a long discussion about it. And then in the very end, I was like, so I just want to know how you have time for this because we were business partners and friends and running partners. And we did so much together. And I just, just like, and so she laughed and she's like, all of this and what you want to know is how I have time for it. (laughs) (laughs) So we always say that was kind of a funny foreshadowing of how maybe we were a little more open to it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I love that you said that because that was going to be my sort of my question is I, I feel like maybe most people and maybe I'm projecting, but most people, if somebody showed up and said, Hey, married person, I'm a married person. What do you think about going on a date or dating me? That would turn most people's worlds upside down. And and like you said, you're just like, well, wait, how do you have time for that? It wasn't, it didn't seem like it was a big, scary thing to, to right. potentially either of you. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the really funny part is, uh, kind of Lauren came back and was like, Hey, you know, I went on this coffee thing and you know, the, the guy kind of approached me uh, about this and I was like, okay, well, a, that wasn't super shocking. It kind of seemed like there, you know, there was some opportunity for somebody to, you know, ask about dating where in fact we were at dinner, dinner with some other friends of ours. And, and of course the guys were like, duh. Anyway. So, you know, it was kind of a funny conversation that this kind of played out, but then like later on when we were at home, you know, Laura and I were just kind of chatting and then, I was where I was like, man, it's kind of hot. You know, the guy, you know, was kind of into you. And then like for a week we had like super hot sex, just kind of reflecting on this was, which maybe was, you know, something that, you know, was essentially foreshadowing for where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Also. <laughs> and so how long, how long from the point at which you learned about how, well, at least maybe initially how to balance all the timing to, <laughs> to actually like doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know the exact timing. I want to say maybe uh, seven years in between those oh, two wow. things happening. Because we had, 
or maybe a little bit less, but you know, a fair, a big handful of years. And I would say from the time that he said, I think there's something more to our very first experience, which was going to a sex club, I would say maybe six weeks or so or two months in between there. And that's something that other people also find entertaining somehow, because like we've said, you meet those couples that are like, we talked about this for 10 years before we did anything. And we just kind of, okay, we didn't know about it. Now we do know about it. Okay. Let's try it. (laughs) And it all happened quite quickly from there. Yeah. I love that. And and then just, I didn't quite catch that. So the something more conversation actually Mm -hmm. came up while you were still monogamous at that point. And and so I can see why that was even extra scary because something more, I don't know what that is. And then you're just sitting in ambiguity. Like, yeah, that's, that's tough. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm glad that was a short period. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. So, So, you know, just kind of reflecting on it, right? Like we didn't, neither one of us had, you know, the knowledge of sort of what the space looks like, what we're entering into, right? And so you could just imagine what, whatever your worst case scenario is, right? Like this is me signaling to you that I'm having trouble in the relationship or I want to leave or whatever to like things that you can't even conceive, which is probably where we are now, right? It's not like we sort of envisioned like this is where we're, this trajectory we were heading towards. Um, but like one of the things that that just was a super fun and just maybe our style is we basically, you know, you know, you know, on our dates, we ended up studying the ethical slut. And so, you know, the, the way that played out is literally every week, you know, instead of just having our usual date night where we, you know, talk or catch up on whatever we were doing, you know, literally like I'd flip open my book and I was like, okay, like in chapter three, the thing that I really appreciated and learned about myself was such, such, such and such. And, you know, it just really opened up my, my perspective on what these different things could be. I had, didn't even imagine that there was such a thing. Right. And, and I know I'm being ambiguous because I don't remember all the chapters. It's been five years now, but, yeah, the, yeah, totally. but the idea is just like my perspective changed as I was reading the book. And even in reading it, I, I was uh, enjoying some introspection about sort of my, you know, how I might interact in that community or in that situation. And so then, you know, of course, it, it was a discussion. It wasn't so sort of me simply reflecting for myself, but we'd have these conversations, which sort of, you know, moved us very, you know, a, a fair bit along into being comfortable and, you know, into exploring something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Like, it was a journey of date nights and learning about it and then starting to actually like tiptoe in and play it out. And yeah. Yeah. I, I always love to ask what that first, like you're getting dressed, you've decided to go to the sex club, you bought the tickets, like what that first night that you're doing this, like that's a big step for, I think for anybody, even if it's not super shocking, like to actually go and do it is, you know, put an action to the words. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of a fun story. So I'll start it out, but Lars can interrupt me as we go along. But, um, so he had already, we went to trapeze in Atlanta for our first experience, Mm -hmm. which I think is a pretty common destination. We were traveling there and he was already had a trip planned there. So I decided to go with him to add on this sex club uh, (laughs) edition. And that morning we had gone for a run and I sprained my ankle. So then we were icing all day and like, I don't know, can I go to the club? I just don't know. I have, you know, if I can be able to walk. And so, uh, we, it was actually his class reunion. So I went to the class reunion and I sat there with my 
leg elevated for I don't know how many hours talking to all these people that I didn't know because I was stuck in one spot. And so he was fully expecting me to be like, no, I definitely can't go. Like I'm just not up to it. And he walked up to me and I was like, I'm so bored. I'm like, we are going to that sex club no matter what. (laughs) And so that was our first night. And uh, yeah, I'd brought along a very tiny little dress with me, um, to change into in the car. And, uh, yeah, we were very nervous. I mean, we were definitely the stereotypical nervous couple kind of chattering to themselves to the side, but, um, but it was exciting still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, uh, the, the part that I find, uh, particularly amusing looking back is, you know, we roll up at the club and, uh, and Lauren's wearing this, like, you know, what now would be like a, you know, lifestyle dress, but at the time, you know, something where she's like, we better not get stopped by anybody because for sure we're getting arrested, right? (laughs) Way too, like, people don't wear this kind of stuff in public. I was like, it's not quite that bad, but I I hear where you're coming from. Like, we pull up in the front of the club and, you know, and the, the valet opens the door and then, you know, I'm about to get out of the car and then, you know, she looks up and there's like, four or five people walking up with like street clothes, right? Sweatpants and hoodies and whatnot. And there's for sure not wearing like the super sexy vibe clothes. And so she's like, we are out of here. I'm like completely dressed the wrong way. (laughs) And so I kind of look at the valet. I'm like, sorry, close the door. (laughs) And you know, the, the car wheels roll about like one rotation. And then she's like, okay, hold on. You can stop. And then at some point it kind of clicks that like people essentially had just their duffel bag and they were coming from home. You know, they had their change of clothes that they were going to put on the club. And a few people actually had, you know, their club clothes on, but the others were clearly just, you know, coming in from, I don't know, dropping the kids off at the soccer game or something. And then yep. we're, we're getting ready to change. So then we stop, door opens again. The valley's like, okay, yes, no. I was like, yeah, I think it's a go. We'll give it a shot. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's the that's the typical. Uh, you're saying goodbye to the babysitter in an outfit that you probably don't want to say goodbye to the babysitter in <laughs> yes. because where where are they going tonight? Yeah, yeah. And why are there four of them? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've never played that game before. No. So how did uh, how did the night go, especially with your ankle? Like, how did you navigate that all? Yeah. So I had just got, I could hobble around enough to, you know, not be too awkward. And what I think we both now reflect on, on that night that was kind of fun and interesting was, you know, we went, we were in front of the room, then we went to the back of the room. And at some point we decided to go have sex, just the two of us inside one of the private rooms with the door closed. And already we were like, Oh my God, we're having sex in a sex club. Like this already seemed like a big deal. So then later in the evening, we have sex again in another private room, but with the door open. Mm -hmm. So this is exciting because, you know, people can look in. Then by the end of the night, we have sex in the middle of the room (laughs) on this sex chair that was at the club. And again, we didn't actually interact with other couples that night, but just our comfort level progressed pretty quickly through the evening and it was super hot. And then we went home and had sex for hours more and we were like, what is going on? What is happening to me? <laughs> I think that's what he meant by there's something more. Yes, I don't know exactly. what it is. <laughs> I also love that you said that that's how your first night went, because that's something that we, we, we don't give a ton of advice, but this is one that we do. And which is the first time, if you're interested in this, go to a sex club and just be with each other in whatever way that feels 
good to you. You don't have to be part of a 30 person orgy. Just go into a private room and have sex where maybe somebody could hear you through the door. Right. It's just, it builds that, that connection between the two of you. And then it increases your comfort to maybe if you feel like it, do something different. Mm -hmm. I just, I think that's a great lived experience of that exact strategy. So, yeah, yeah, totally. I love it. Yeah, I'll just I'll just add to that. I mean, you know, our comfort level was not definitely not at the point of like, hey, let's go meet up with another couple. I mean, that just feel felt, you know, all kinds of scary, right? Like, yeah. you know, what if, you know, we say something awkward or we know them or, you know, they're going to chop us up into pieces and, you know, throw us in a dumpster, right? Like we wanted a public place where we didn't know anybody and we could just sort of like observe and perv and do whatever we were comfortable with. And if it didn't play out well, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's a little, it felt, it could have been a little more than watching TV, right. Like, but, but in a very live sense. So it felt, um, it felt less risky to us to sort of, you know, sort of engage at that level initially. Yeah. 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 And to, uh, further your advice, I also agree that sex clubs can be a great place to just go see what's going on because you can sign well, I might be comfortable doing that at some point, or I could never be comfortable doing that at some point. But I think the other thing I usually add is don't decide whether this is for you or not based on that one club experience also, because some nights are pretty crazy in clubs. Some nights are pretty slow in clubs. I mean, it really depends on the night you go. And I've had couples say that, um, yeah, we went to a club one night and we're like, it's not for us. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, maybe it's not for you, but please don't decide based on that one experience. (laughs) And I think we got pretty lucky. It was like just busy enough, but not crazy. And you know, it just worked well for us. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Yes. Maybe not that one experience and maybe not that one specific club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We've had our share of those, like, this is the worst. And we're like, but we know better. We know because we've been, some of those experiences had come years into our adventuring and we're like, we know it doesn't have to be like this. So we, (laughs) and then, and then you just leave and go do something else because you're like, not, not a good place to spend my evening. Yeah. Or or you stay and then realize you should have left. Well, we've done that too. (laughs) Those are the best learnings to finally learn and know that you can leave. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, a fair bit of luck involved, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever house party you go to, it could be the greatest party ever, or it could be a total dud, right? And, you know, if you've done this a hundred times, well, then you can, we have some way to gauge it, right? Like we know which house parties suck now and when it's time to go. But like when you first get in, you're like, I guess this is what it is. And this is kind of terrible or this is kind of amazing. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Maybe you go back. The part that we found uh, in some sense kind of entertaining is we would, you know, we would meet couples and we'd kind of compare notes on like, so what was your first time like? And they would tell us sort of the horror story of, you know, somebody's crying in the bathroom or, you know, there was something sort of approaching sexual assault or all manner of like terrible things. Right. And you're like, and you're back for more. Wow. I mean, how courageous, right? Like our experiences by comparison were relatively good. And, you know, maybe we just had a lot of beginner's luck and, but like, you know, the courage that some people express instead of going back for more them, you know, we're like, all right, kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Well, we are those people, to be honest, that, that was our experience for so long. <laughs> Many times we would look at each other and go, how are we even still here? So, yeah. yeah it's learning. It's growth opportunities, learning experiences. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
So how moving forward, well, before I move forward, you didn't um, mention just now that Lars, that like, I I guess I don't want to gloss over that some of those things can happen in Mm -hmm. clubs, right? Some of those things you mentioned, negative experiences, it is possible and uh, they do happen. And I guess from your, just touching on that briefly for your, in your experience, what are some ways you two have learned to avoid that other than beginner's luck? Like how have you taken care of yourselves in those potentially, potentially uncomfortable or dangerous situations? Let, let me uh, qualify, you know, my response in light of your question a little bit. So I think in general, the community is, um, and, and this doesn't this doesn't apply to everybody, but in general, the community it, like seems to be geared towards like, you know, is this something that the other person is interested in, comfortable in? There's sort of a natural environment of consent, where even if you sort of fumble into it. You know, the, the community, I don't want to say is protecting you, but there's sort of a much, it's a much safer environment than, than I think if we were sort of, you know, dealing out with a general population and, and trying to engage something similar, right? And so be that as it may, I, like, I think your question is still super valid, which is like, how do you ensure that, you know, you, that you, um, put yourself in a position where you don't get yourself in trouble, right? Because ultimately that's, that's something that everybody wants to avoid. Mm-hmm. I would say, and I, so I think what is common between us is Lars has done most of our online communicating and profiles and all those things, because that was part of it in the beginning. And I was like, I do not want to do that actually. So, um, I, I think he has done an amazing job of just really understanding and filtering people and very black and white in terms of anything seems off about someone, there's just no second chance. And so, in the beginning, I was like, really? Well, maybe they're nice and whatever. And he was like, no. And now I really see that I think that was that kind of stringent filtering that allowed so many positive experiences for us in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you two said too, Lars, about the yeah. clubs are often a safer space. And, and I will say most of our experiences that were felt off or were, were off were, fairly early on for us. And this was not necessarily in the club experiences. That's true. That's true as well. And and it was, you know, this was 2010 to 2013, 14. And so, you know, it's been about a decade. And I think a few things have happened. One, conversations around consent have changed pretty drastically in that time. Obviously, it's still not perfect, but I think that's changed. And also, it was often instances for us where people were new and nervous and then they would usually get too drunk and then they would start doing things that were probably not within their integrity if they were sober but they don't you you get in these situations again there's no practice there's no like how do you do this right or there wasn't especially back then and so i think a lot of that and this is not to excuse shitty behavior and and assault and all of those things but i think you know our experiences were they weren't horrible. Most of them, we had a couple that were, that were really uncomfortable that we had to figure out how do we get out of these? And those were our our experiences to learn from. And how do we keep better track of each other? How do we keep better track of ourselves and what's going on for us and our body to say, I, I don't want to be here. I want to be done with this. Mm -hmm. And those have been big learning moments for us. Yeah. I'd say, and I also just want to add like Lars, your point is very um, valid too, around the fact that the, generally the sex positive spaces and uh clubs and everything are uh feel safer 
and our general, like, cause it's a community gathering. Like it's a, and that is in our experience and talking to all the people that we have, many people, most people have that experience as well, especially compared to just like out there dating in the quote unquote vanilla vanilla world, I guess, or like the non um, sex positive areas. Yeah. 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 It's a very different environment. And I will also add the night, our very first night when we went to that club, I didn't, we didn't drink anything. Mm -hmm. It was a bring your own alcohol as a lot of them are. We didn't bring anything because I was so nervous about what you're talking about. I was like, I don't want to be nervous and drink too much. (laughs) So so, uh, we didn't have anything. And then afterwards we're like, okay, you know, a drink would have been nice to just kind of have. So that changed, but I was very concerned in the other direction. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I was just going to add something to to that conversation. I mean, like I bringing up alcohol uh, or or any substances, like I I think is a really interesting uh, topic to delve into. And, you know, while 99% of our interactions, you know, have been positive and safe. In fact, I can't really think of any that haven't been safe for us, but there was one interaction where I was with another couple where there was significant tension between the couple and, you know, one of them was extraordinarily drunk and the other person wasn't. And that led to the person that was not drunk getting very uncomfortable with what, you know, the, the person that was drunk was doing. And, you know, I, I speculate here that, that in order for that person to sort of be able to sort of enter this space, they sort of needed to be sort of checked out. And, uh, you know, in some sense, I think that created a, an environment that, that potentially was much more volatile and potentially unsafe, right? And so, you know, as Lauren mentioned, like, we specifically chose not to drink at all. And, you know, even in like, you know, for the first several dates, I mean, we barely drank, I would be like, you know, maybe one drink, half a drink, because we wanted to be super clear and intentional about what we were doing, not to sort of like, all right, let's just get like, you know, like, let's just pretend like we don't even know what's going on. And mm-hmm. then we'll just kind of fumble into it. That was definitely not the way we were going to approach it. And, and you know, I, I definitely sense there's some people that are, you know, that need some type of substance in order to get more comfortable. And I was like, if that's where you're at, maybe you're not quite ready for this, right? Like, I mean, I don't want to judge, but like, I just get the sense that if, you know, if, if you need to sort of shut down some discomfort, maybe some additional conversations are needed or some other ways to sort of address that problem might be more productive than, you know, alcohol or substances. Totally. Yeah. I think if you're a little nervous and you're like, okay, you know, a beer or whatever, but if it's, I need to get blackout drunk to functionally do this, then yeah, you've probably got some bigger, bigger conversations to have before it's time to, time to go and do that. And I was just, I know we've, we've kicked this horse to death, but I was just going to say, we, we did have a conversation with a couple a while back uh, where they were going to their first experience and it was going to be at a club. And actually like at the last minute, I think it was like the babysitter fell through or something. And so she ended up going by herself and she said, wow. she was like, this was the first time we'd ever done anything. I went to a lifestyle club by myself and she's like, I felt safer there than I ever felt at any bar I'd ever been to in my mm-hmm. whole life yeah. because people were looking out for me. They knew I was alone. I had people checking in on me. Like the community showed up and cared and, and was there for her the whole night. And so they, how amazing of an experience is that? And so I just, I wanted to make sure that the flip side of this, like, yeah, there can be hard shit and people can get too drunk and do shitty stuff, but really the community is there. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I always do that. I always say that to him, like, it's not utopia, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's pretty close. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I mean, we even just, we, we, we know countless examples where, where, you know, the community sort of steps up and basically says, look, this is something that, you know, is even possibly out of bounds. And people just have, you know, conversations about like, look, this is typically the way it goes here. And while that might fly at your house or where you come from and around here, that's, that's not, that's not part of the deal. Right. And and it's a conversation. It's not like somebody's getting kicked out by the bouncer. Right. It's just a conversation. And so, and I don't think I've ever seen anything turn to violent or, you know, it's, it's something where people are like, oh, okay, gosh, you know, I didn't know, or you know, misunderstanding, sorry, you know, it's all good, right? And 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 in general, it it, it just kind of leads to uh, you know people smiling from there. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And so, leaving that first experience, where did the journey take the two of you? Uh, so we, Vegas, baby. Well, <laughs> at first, we thought it was something we were only going to do when we were traveling. We do travel a fair bit anyway. And we had all the same concerns that everybody has in the beginning of running into the neighbors and (laughs) all the things. So, um, and also we live in Utah. And so we really kind of made an assumption that it wasn't happening here, which was interesting. Um, and so (laughs) we did another sex club on a, on a trip. And then after that, we were like, okay, we're ready for a date. So yeah, we headed to Vegas and, um, had an amazing weekend. We had the most beginner's luck. I think you could possibly have, we just had met some really great people. Every date clicked and everything went really well. But the one thing I will say about our first full swap weekend that I want people to hear is that, you know, we're kind of talking about the the negative side of the community. And one of the things that you read about too, is like these drama couples, you know, Lars mentioned the other couple, you know, the first couple they went with one of the people got very upset and locked themselves in the bathroom. And you kind of hear these stories about, you know, they call them the drama couples. And so as we were walking up to the room with this other couple, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, what if I am a drama person? Like I have never actually done this before. I've never watched my husband with somebody else. I don't know what my reaction is really going to be. Like I've imagined it now quite a few times, but I haven't actually experienced it. So I think that's all a concern that we can have. I ended up loving it, you know, (laughs) and I think that that's one thing I have a lot of conversations with people. They're like, wasn't it hard? Isn't there jealous? Are you scared? I'm like, it's very difficult to explain why it's so great, but it is amazing to watch your partner with somebody else. And I think that's just a hard thing for some people to imagine. But that night, I think we were both definitely full go from there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that weekend because it, it was pretty extraordinary and makes kind of makes for a fun story. So we had um, in our sort of moving beyond, you know, the the club, we kind of reached out on to some people on websites and, and started interacting with people online and chatting with people. And we ended up in a situation where this one couple essentially became our essentially lifestyle mentors, right? So that, you know, we would, it was essentially somebody we'd call up, be like, so... 
what are the male grooming techniques that we should be thinking about, right? Or, you know, some things that presumably could have been an internet search, but you find all kinds of nonsense online. So it's probably best to, you know, check with somebody. And so anyhow, so we're, we're kind of checking with, you know, our mentors on like, we're thinking about doing like a full swap weekend in Vegas. And what do you think? And they're like, hmm, Vegas. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. There's, there's a whole lot of disappointment coming up for you in Vegas. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, people go there with big intentions about all the things they're going to do. And, and so just be prepared for the fact that you could be chatting with a lot of people that are going to flake out on you or that, you know, get cold feet at the last second, or maybe they had to even tell their partner, all kinds of things. Right. And we're like, Oh, okay. Well, gosh, I didn't even consider that because we're definitely all in. <laughs> and so he's like, all right, we'll just plan accordingly. So we did. And we set up two dates every night. So, and not at the same time, just to be clear, we set one up for 5 PM and one up for 11 PM. Right. And so, and so anyhow, so like, you know, we're kind of walking up into the bar first date and kind of wondering, you know, is the couple going to show up? And sure enough, they do like, they look amazing. Just like the profile, everybody's clicking. It's, you know, it's just we're like, Oh wow, this is actually like, this is really good. Of course, we're, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes into, you know, into the conversation and, some point i'm like gosh guys you like you know we're so new at this we don't even know what happens after this and so the two couple you know the couple kind of looks at each other and they're like i think this is the clue and you know she's like i'm all in i am too i was like oh okay i guess we're doing this so i was like all right you know take the receipt please and upstairs we went and uh we like you know like lauren said we had a you know an amazing night with them and anyway it was still relatively early so we go back downstairs we're having dinner and i don't know it's maybe 10 30 and we're literally eating our dinner and i'm like um lauren look over your left shoulder that's our 11 p.m date so she looks oh yeah i'm in right it was just sort of like cowboy type from wyoming you know like you know six feet tall broad shoulders and she's like oh yeah we're, we're totally doing this and so you know we finish dinner we walk over to the bar and we go upstairs for round two <laughs> were you, you were you having dinner just the two of you at that point or was yeah. it okay i was gonna say that would be kind of oh a- no 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 yeah <laughs> we had, we had separate, separate ways yeah so it was a, you had to make sure that first night that, you know, the first time it went well, you weren't drama, but maybe the site. So you got to, you got to confirm it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so definitely a lot of beginner's luck, I think that weekend, but it was fun. I love awesome. it. That's yeah. amazing. And I'm just curious, the other, you said you set up two dates each night. Did the other ones, was it like double headers each night of the weekend or what? <laughs> well, so the, yeah, the way it played out was, um, so for the, the second night we, we essentially had planned to meet up one couple and then go to a club. Got and it. then the couple that we were planning to meet with at some point, like in the conversation, figured out that we were new. They're like, Oh, you guys are new. Hmm. And where are you going afterwards? The club? Why don't we just meet at the club? So I think for them, it was like, okay, you know, they thought we weren't going to show up. So, you know, for them, the safer play was just to meet at the club. And so we ended up just meeting them at the club and then just having a second date with the couple with one of the couples that we had met the first night. And so we ended up again going out on two dates and um, which was super fun and just ended up going to one of the Vegas clubs and meeting the second couple, which ended up working out really nicely. Yeah. That's an epic weekend. Right. Yeah, and that's you, epic. And you could have been like, no, we're yeah. not new. Look, we've had two experiences in <laughs> well, the last 12 hours. I don't know. That's what, what the couple about. that met us at the club said. They're like, you guys aren't really new. And we're like, no, we really are. 
it was already our fourth experience. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've just had 14 full swaps in the last 36 hours. So we're, we're still new, roughly. <laughs> Amazing. Got an experience. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Well, what I was going to ask is, uh, you know, I would love to like dig in more to the journey, but like specific journey, but I also am conscious of time and we don't have 10 hours to talk. So one over the last five years, you know, you, you've experienced sounds like a lot of different things. And at the beginning of this conversation, you talked a little bit about like being in the gray area a little bit. And I was Mm -hmm. curious what that means to the two of you. Yeah, I so when we started this, we had a specific conversation around we weren't looking for girlfriends and boyfriends or that level of relationship. And so we were conscientious of like, well, how many times can you be with a couple before it starts to be kind of this is quotes relationship. And so and also a lot of people that we would meet at the time, by this time we had learned that there is actually a very large lifestyle community in Salt Lake City, so we were well into it. And we were talking with a lot of people that were like, Oh yeah, now we only hang out with lifestyle people, you know, like over time. And we're like, really? Like this just, we were concerned about, um, we weren't in it in the time to make best friends, (laughs) you know, we're like, this is really fun, but that wasn't really our thing. And then over time, we of course made really great friends. And that was a really fun aspect. And now I would say we're in that same boat where we hang out almost always with, you know, very, the majority of our time is spent with lifestyle friends. And, um, and I, I think that's why I would say there's some gray area because you have friend, you know, friends that you just see at the club, you have very good friends that become very good friends outside of sort of the lifestyle scene. You have all these different levels of friends. And by the way, every couple can choose how they want to manage that, but that is something to manage. Like I have friends that once they become like really close friends, they stop playing because they don't want to ruin the friendship in any way. They don't want to make anything complicated that way. Um, you know, and then lots of people who just stay close friends and also play. And I think the, the hardest thing that can happen, but can happen is, you know, you might play and meet a couple and then, um, decide that you don't, you like hanging out together, but you don't like playing together necessarily. And so there's, all these different directions that friendships can go, including very close friendships. So that's why I say, you know, it's can get a little gray with what are, what are feelings and what is a relationship? I think that is, those are really important conversations to keep having. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll just add to that. I mean, I, I almost feel like, um, the, the English language is insufficient in describing all the relationships that we now have. Right. You know, there's like, boyfriend, girlfriend, friends with benefits, lover, whatever. And, and I was like, okay, you know, maybe this person is like 60% that and the other one's 30. And it's sort of this multi-dimensional puzzle, right? Like the way we're envisioning this, so there's like, there's friends, like this person's in the friend category. There's like this person I play with, they're in the play category doesn't work that like that right i mean there's you know different levels of friendships with people that we play with and certainly there are people that we were friends with that we don't play with at all it's certainly quite clear there but like i think the gray area is sort of like well what are the level of entanglements and you know is there some commitment level to these individuals because of the friendships we have or is it more than friendships right is this a dating situation and so i think that's the part that, that gets very interesting and certainly more complicated right 
Um, and so, you know, you can certainly envision like any number of entanglements and, you know, certainly we have friends that are polyamorous that like it goes great sometimes, sometimes not so great. Right. But, you know, for the most part, our model has been that we, we really enjoy dating people, but our primary relationship is, you know, Lars and Lauren. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think you, you also made a comment early on that, that this has been like five years of relationship grad school. <laughs> and yeah. That, I was going to comment on that too. And that you, you learned early on that sometimes the, you, you can both say the same words and mean something very different. And I'm just curious, what are maybe some of the other, what are some of the courses you've taken in grad school that you've learned a lot from growth uh, opportunities, the growth opportunities <laughs> mm-hmm. you've run into over the last five years? Yeah, I think one for me happened in the very beginning. So as we were talking about doing all this stuff and like, why were we doing it and what did we want to get out of it? I think one of the conversations that we had several times was whatever this ends up being, you're the most important thing to me. And whatever happens, it's nothing is going to come between this. And I think after 14 years of marriage, we weren't having that conversation on a regular basis of how much we meant to each other. You know what I mean? Like on the day in and the day out. And I think already just heading into lifestyle, we had like already kind of propped up the foundation of a very solid relationship that we had just by having some of those conversations because it just, it makes you have to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no way around it actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, th- I think that's a super interesting question. The um, the the challenge and the growth, in some sense, kind of go hand in hand for us, right? So, like, the situations in which I learned the most about myself and the way in which our relationship was going was the times where stress showed up, right? Like, you know, there's the time where, you know, uh, Lauren is out on a date on her own and and it, she was, do, she ended up doing things that we've done together, but somehow it was different when I wasn't there. Why is it different? Why, why do I care? Right? Like it wasn't unsafe, but there was something that was triggering me about that situation that made me uncomfortable. And it just sort of led me to sort of kind of think like, why am I not comfortable with it? what's different in this situation? Like, it's not like she's doing anything different, but why does this feel different for me? It sort of had me reflect on like my past, my past relationships. Is it something, you know, is it something about the expectations? I mean, in some sense, you know, that it's sort of, we, we're all sort of like asking what, what the question was that led to the discomfort, right? When there was some. And um, in other cases, it would be something like, okay, like you're going out and, you know, or we're going out, here's the plan. And then somehow like it would pivot, right? Like some new opportunity would show up and we would end up doing something different. And one of us would get upset because the expectations for the evening weren't met, but we said we were going to do this, but something else was done instead. But then in some sense, okay, I, I understand why the failed expectation might be upsetting for the other person, but then why beyond just that, that fact that the expectations weren't met. And so it's sort of, you know, like with each conversation, you're sort of peeling back the onion a little further and kind of thinking about like, why is that making me upset? Is this something where like, I'm afraid that you're going to leave me or I'm concerned that you don't love me or you have feelings for somebody else, or is it something completely different, right? Like what's, what's sort of the, the, the trigger behind this, this negative experience 
that, that's showing up for me. Um, and so that, you know, some people can just choose to sort of say, well, I'm just going to ignore that and pretend it's not there or brush it under the carpet. For, but for us, it was sort of the opportunity to, to reflect. I mean, so one of the things I like to say about lifestyle, and I've never had anyone disagree with this, is you you're going into lifestyle with a solid foundation of a relationship, or at least you better believe you have a really strong foundation of a relationship as you head into lifestyle. The time, you know, it's that whole misnomer. You're not going into lifestyle to fix anything. Trust me. <laughs> so um, then, but lifestyle, even though you, you feel you have this very strong foundation, lifestyle has a tendency with a little flashlight to find the little cracks in the foundation that you didn't even know were there. So it's that real commitment to be like, okay, we're going to look at these cracks and not gloss over them because this is really important and is actually going to be necessary for us to continue on this way. And so I think just that willingness to look at those cracks is a really big conversation to have with your partner before you start doing some of this stuff because you're going to find them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And these cracks might be your own insecurity. I mean, it could just be a hundred different things, but I think what Lars is saying is just, you know, that reflection of like, why is this coming up for us? Totally. And I think one of the things that we've seen for ourselves and, and in talking to others is the, what you see or what you think is the reason for the crack often is not, there's usually something deeper. And I know, as you were saying that the, yeah. the, the one that kept coming to mind for me is infidelity, right? When somebody, if somebody cheats on somebody, you often hear like, I didn't really care about the sex, but it was something, it was the lying, it was the hiding, it was the trust. And, and so it's often not the thing that people think it is. Mm-hmm. It's usually something else going on. Like you said, it's just, it's an insecurity. It's something deeper than the just the facade that you're seeing. And I think that's And what, yeah. I think the other thing that it often is is that we all grew up in a monogamous culture. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's that unlearning thing that also happens during lifestyle. Like we're talking about the friendships and the friends with benefits and the girlfriends. Like we have certain ideas of what these things are. And so there's a little bit of an unlearning. One of my examples was a relationship I had with someone. I was like, you know, I think in the monogamous world, it's like you're either friends with someone or they become a threat because you can only be friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in lifestyle, this is the gray areas. Like, okay, this is a very close friend and we're actually playing with this friend. So what does that mean? What's the title for that relationship. Well, there isn't one, you know? So I think that is the unlearning that also comes in practicing non-monogamy is sometimes reflecting and recognizing that, oh, I think I feel this way because I was taught I was supposed to feel this way. Mm-hmm. And that comes up a lot with jealousy. Like people will be like, oh yeah, I think I was just jealous because I've been told my whole life I should be jealous if I saw my <laughs> partner doing that, you know? So I think that's another place to look. Yeah. It's social conditioning. Yeah. Conditioning and yeah. Upbringing. I think one of the things that you've, you've both touched on a few times that I wanted to, to just dig into a little bit more is you've, you've talked about how your friend sort of friend network almost did a changeover in some ways and, and really just maybe what the, the, the value or the power you've seen in building up a community around yourselves over the last few years and what that's maybe done for you like today on year five versus what you were doing on year one when you're kind of doing it by yourself with you had a mentor of course but like then you've built on that and I'm curious what that impact's been for you 
Yeah, I love this question. So I'm going to answer first, but um, I think, so there's something that I believe strongly, but you have to be careful who you say it, which with is like as humans, we just like connection. So I think when we're attracted to lifestyle, we are attracted to connection and that only scares people when they're new because they're like, no, we don't want connection. We just <laughs> kind of like that was what we were scared of in the beginning too. Like how much connection is going to be okay. Um, but connection it's just can happen with someone at the grocery store over a conversation. Like connection happens all the time. But I think these deep connections that you're having in the lifestyle community are just very fulfilling. And then you add in this community that we talked about earlier, being very respectful, inclusive. And by the way, I don't have to lie to you about anything. I can tell you about the most exciting thing that we just did last night. I was just talking to my vanilla friend. They were like, what did you do last night? Oh yeah, we went to dinner and then had to drinks, you know, with some people. And, and you know, you start to have, if you aren't open about it, then you aren't being open with your vanilla friends. And so there's just a, a, t- a natural thing that happens as you start to feel closer to your lifestyle friends, I think, because you can talk about everything and including when you hit these little snags and these little flashlights and these cracks, your support network is the people who have been through this before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you're just nurturing these lifestyle relationships over and over in many ways. And I'm not saying that no, you know, all the vanilla friendships go away. I'm just saying that I think that's why people end up spending so much more time. A, the community is just really fun. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, given the choice of which party to go to, um, and also just this connection and the, and the kind of deeper connection that can happen in more quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll add to that. The, the, the thing I've really enjoyed is just the depth, uh, that conversations go to very quickly, right? Like I, I've, I've had friends for 20, 30 years where to this day, every conversation is pretty superficial. Like, what have you been up to? What's new? How's the weather? You know, oh, your parents are ill. Yep. It's, I mean, it's just kind of boring to be honest, right? Like, and, and, and this is just what, you know, what, what is life interactions with other people and the interactions when they're exciting and fun and dynamic, it's awesome. And if it's kind of like, Huh, we have to go to that conversation and yep, you know, you want to know what I do and where I live and what sports I do. And, you know, let me just put press play, right? The lifestyle conversations, even people that we've initially met don't look like that, right? They're raw, you know, they're exposed and you're sharing things that, that, you know, that I wouldn't share with most people. Right. And that, that openness leads other people to open up and they're sharing some of the most intimate things about themselves and, you know, you can literally end up with, with conversations with people that you've never met before where, like, you're almost in tears just learning about their human experience. It's just really, really amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. How have you two navigated conversations, I guess, outside of your uh, friends you've met in, in non-monogamy? Like, how has that gone outside of that with other people? In terms of being open? Yeah. 
like open in the vanilla world? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I should have been clear with clearer with that question. But no, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> I think that has been a slow progression of you know in the beginning. So one joke that I usually make, which is telling, I think for a lot of lifestyle people, is in the beginning we were afraid of running into our neighbors. Now we wish all our neighbors were swingers. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and and I think that over time, as we've gotten more comfortable in the community, we are, have also become more comfortable with sharing. Having said that, we are also thoughtful about who we share with. We have children and we're in several different communities that, you know, we're just not sure how that would go. So we are thoughtful about that, but we have, and we've agreed to share with more and more vanilla friends for that reason. It's like, it starts to feel like those friends are not that friendship can't be as authentic anymore. If I'm, you know, we're very active in lifestyle. This is now my career, you know, I, as a, as a coach. And so it's very difficult to not tell my friends what I'm up to. And we have not yet had a friend, you know, disown us or whatever the worst fear is around that. So we've been thoughtful and it's also been a slow progression. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, it's sort of the trade-off between being authentic with, you know, with my friends versus, um, you know, sort of keeping the friendship at, at the level where it was before, right? Which is like, okay, this is fine. This is what it is. I don't have any sort of compulsion to sort of like reveal this thing or to tell you what I'm up to or to, I don't know, impress you with my sexual exploits. It's, it's not about that, right? Like I, I don't have anything to show or pr- to prove or describe or whatever. It's sort of like if there's a natural um, situation in which this conversation comes up, we're like, oh, yep, this is something that we do now. This is who we are. You know, then, then you know, that's the way it comes up. But it's not like we have some checklist of people. We're like, all right, we have to, you know, sort of not notify the next twenty people in our life, right? That that's just not uh, the way we're wired. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And and I know I, I actually have I have two more questions, but I want to give Lauren first a chance to talk a little bit about your work. Um, you kind of touched on it there again that, mm. that this has become a big enough part of your life that it is now part of how you make a living. And so mm-hmm. I'd love to talk a little bit about how that developed and what that sort of looks like. Yeah. So I, along with COVID and half the other population went through a little career crisis during that time of like, what do I want to be when I grew up? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I did a little career change at the time and uh, did a couple of coaching programs and it just felt really natural to incorporate relationship coaching into that because of our experiences. And also, you know, it's something that I wish we would have had in the beginning. Like you guys were talking about stumbling around and, you know, finding the resources and saying, when we did a lot of stumbling, I don't, I think there probably were lifestyle coaches when we started, but I didn't know about them. And I just looking back, I think it would have been a really valuable resource to have. So I just, and I feel really passionately about non-monogamy and non-monogamy being a choice for people. And Uh, helping people navigate it because it is complex. And as we mentioned, we grew up in a monogamous culture. So there is a lot of like unknown and how to deal with that complexity. And so, yeah, it's just really, uh, I don't know. It's fun for me. And I also, it's very fulfilling. Yeah. Well, totally. And you actually went, you officially went to relationship grad school, it sounds like. So you did a couple of, (laughs) a couple of coaching programs where they, Within relationship coaching or were they broader or sort of a combination? Uh, One is like broader life coaching and one is 
relationship specific. So I've merged the two because as you may not know, you may know there is not a non-monogamy relationship coaching model out there for, for a degree, but maybe I'll create that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, that's I love awesome. It. And where, if people are interested, like where's the best place to find you? Obviously links will be in the show notes. Mm. Yeah. Probably my website, swinging lifestyle And Instagram and Facebook, same name, Swinging Lifestyle Coach. Everything is Swinging Lifestyle Coach. And then SDC and Cassidy, I have um, profiles on there as the coach, and that is Swinging Coach. So just search for me there, and you can reach out to me at any of those channels. Wonderful. And yeah, links will be in the the show notes. And so the the two other questions I had, uh, one is, Maybe just for, and, and we, I think we haven't asked this question in a little while, and I was thinking we need to bring this question back, which is around how you keep yourself safe, um, both, you know, physically, emotionally, and sexual health-wise. I mean, again, and there's no shame here, right? Like, you had a hell of a weekend in Vegas that first weekend, but I could see where somebody being like, whoa, that's a lot of risk. And I'm curious, how do you two navigate that? Um, I would say the sexual is a pretty fairly easy one. I mean, Mm -hmm. pretty early on, I mean, of course we've always used protection and then fairly early on, maybe from our mentors, we kind of learned how a lot of people have a testing Mm -hmm. schedule and protocol. So we've just always followed that. And I don't think we've ever really felt too unsafe. Like we just followed those protocols and felt too unsafe. I think emotionally safe is a really uh, interesting question. And I think probably and this is a driver of what has made us feel closer through lifestyle too, is giving each other the space to be emotionally uncomfortable or emotionally freaking out or Mm -hmm. whatever stage you're at. It's just like, okay, whatever you're going to go through, I'm going to be here for you. And we will investigate that together. I think that is the you know, everyone talks about lifestyle, bringing them close together. I think that is actually the glue is that, um, giving each other that emotional safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, uh, you know, on the sexual slash medical side, I mean, for me, it was just a matter of like, I went to my doctor and said, Hey, here's what we do. What are the best medical practices around this? And my doctor said, well, you should get routine testing. And, you know, depending on what type of partners you're mixing with, this is the testing protocol and make sure you use protection and whatnot. And we're like, okay, you're the doctor. That's the medical advice. And we just kind of moved on from there. And at that point, right, like I'm not that kind of doctor. So sure, that sounds great. And, you know, for us, that was a settled matter. And with respect to the, you know, the emotional comfort level, you know, I, I think it's it's super important to, you know, recognize that sometimes your partner is going to be uncomfortable and sometimes the partner just needs space, right? So the way I'm wired, I sometimes just need a little time on my own to sort of allow myself to reflect on the situation and get perspective before I'm able to sort of have a meaningful conversation around it, right? So, you know, I think understanding, you know, what what uh, the partner's needs are, you know, can be tricky, right? Especially if, you know, one partner's like keen to engage and have a conversation, get resolution, or the other one's like, okay, I don't really even know what we're talking about yet, or I don't know how I feel about it. And so, you know, that can be difficult, right? But, uh, you know, for us, the, you know, first order condition is always that we were, you know, we're here to support each other. And, you know, that doesn't mean that every day is amazing. It just means that, you know, at the end of the day, we're looking to come to come together and and work towards a more amazing relationship, which is what we've had for the last five years. Mm -hmm. I love it. I appreciate that. 
Yeah. Also, we've always, I don't know if we've ever actually had to do this, but it's always been an understanding between us that any evening, no matter what's happening, if one of us is out, we're both out. That's just, you know, just come to the other one, say it and it's done. And just that, I think knowing that that's there instead of feeling like you have to go along with something because that's the momentum or, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's always made me feel emotionally safe in a lot of these situations too, is, um, knowing that like I can be out at any time and he's with me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that. And I think there's a sort of a thing that we've kind of said on and off throughout the last, however long we've been doing this is right. You don't want it. Nobody wants to be the person to cancel an orgy. Right. But you also really don't want to be the person crying in the bathroom at an orgy because you didn't cancel the orgy <laughs> exactly. because you knew. Like, exactly. And, so well said. Yeah. You don't want to be the one who's like, well, I knew I shouldn't have done this, but I thought I could power through. And now we've blown up something. So I just being able to listen to that and say, you know what, there will be more orgies. So it's okay to cancel it. It's okay to say, Hey, how about, could we just do dinner and ice cream tonight? Cause we're not feeling that pe- like whatever, call an audible and, that's okay. Yeah. So my last one maybe dovetails right into that, which is a blooper question because <laughs> these are fun. And we, we, we love to hear how, how hilarious it can get sometimes out there in the world of swinging and non-monogamy. And so if you have one or two that you would be open to sharing, we'd love to hear that as well. It could be sex-related or not. Totally up to you. Yeah. So we, we sort of talked about you know the beginning experiences being pretty great. And so Mm -hmm. we were lucky. I, we did our very first house party was a blooper for us. And, um, that was, I mean, to this day, even with all this experience, I look back on it and that was weird, (laughs) but essentially I think it was just a lot of inexperienced people, us included, you know, we had had our full swap weekend and we were a little bit more, but it was a lot, it was just a lot of small talk going on. Like, like a very vanilla party. Let's put it that way. And we were like, well, what's going on here? Like this doesn't feel like a kind of lifestyle vibe. And we didn't, but you know what we didn't know. We didn't know we could just leave. (laughs) 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 And so at one point there was this very gregarious, good looking crowd that came into this party and they were there for literally five minutes. And then they left like, Oh, we have another party to go to. And so in hindsight, we were like, Oh, they knew like you go in, you check out the scene. And if it's not good, you leave. So we stuck it out that whole evening. And, um, we tried to like, even get things, you know, started a little bit and it was just all kinds of awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one I would do differently. I mean, nothing really bad came of it. It's just that I would do it differently today. Yeah. You'd have run out the door behind those other people being like, hey, yes. what's, what's that other party it's you're going to? Is going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got room in your car. Can we follow you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I'm not even sure there was another party, right? They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, we had another commitment. We're like, yeah, we do too. Oh, you guys must be going somewhere else. We're totally going to that somewhere else too. And yeah, we're we're already late. We have to go right now. (laughs) Yep. Yep. been there. Yes. <laughs> and it's a good reminder that you do not need to stick it out anywhere you don't want to be, anywhere you're yeah. uncomfortable. But it is easy yeah, to and I think in that space. 
in the beginning, you can really get into a space of like, well, we must be doing it wrong. You know, like, are we not showing the signs or are we not like people don't want to talk to us? And, you know, sometimes that's just not the case. Yeah. And (laughs) at at the end of the day, it's just like not the right fit. Like that was not the right fit for the two of you. It might have been the right fit for somebody else, but not for the two of you. Yeah. And so, yeah. Thank you for sharing. And thank you both for everything you've shared today. We really appreciate it. And we love, before we let you go, like, is there anything else either one of you wanted to get out there? I'll just add uh, something to, um, you know, to the business that that, uh, Lauren's focused on. You know, I I think there are people that are looking to fix something and there are people that are looking to, you know, take it to the next level, right? Like I've done, you know, a lot of competitive sports. And when I see a coach, sometimes it would be like to fix my stride or to work on my throw or whatever. But the goal is to essentially improve my performance in some way, right? Like it's the coaching is really more in the lifestyle context about upgrading your, your, you know, your game in some sense, right? Improving communication you have changing the way you interact. And it's sort of, it's literally an upgrade game. It's not about, you know, repairing anything. It's not a like, oh, we're doing this and, you know, our communication is terrible and we're broken and we're thinking about getting divorced. This, you know, this whole scene won't fix anything. And certainly, you know, talking to Lauren is not about fixing anything. But if you're eager to like upgrade your relationship, take to the next level, that's the part that we get super excited about because that's the experience we've enjoyed for the last five years. Like we're at a yeah. whole different level from where we were before and yeah. enough for other people to enjoy that as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. I appreciate that. Thank you, Cyrus. Lauren, was there anything else you wanted to throw out into the world before we let you get along with your afternoons? No, I think that's it. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be on the show. It was really fun. Wonderful. Thank you both for coming on and for all the work you do. Yes. Thank you. Thanks a bunch. And we're back. Thank you, Lauren and Lars, for everything that you shared. We love talking to you and are excited to get your story out there. And go check out Lauren's work. A reminder to go to her website. Links are in the show notes and check out the work. And I wanted to also do a little bit of touching on an episode we talked about in this episode. Yep. Episode 107, we talked about an experience, uh, an interview we did with somebody where Their first experience was her going to a lifestyle club on her own and how safe and supported she felt. And so I wanted to give a little more context there because I actually remembered it wrong during the interview. Oh, did you? I did. (laughs) So it's episode 107 with Chris and Fred. And actually, the reason that she ended up going to that club by herself, it was free for single women. So she went by herself because they weren't exactly sure and they wanted to save some money. So she went by herself, saved them a couple bucks and had a wonderful experience. Awesome. So that, so go back and listen to that episode. It's a great conversation. We encourage that as yes. well. A quick reminder, our virtual meet and greet is coming up next Wednesday. That's September 20th. You can sign up on our website under the events tab. And next week, we have that interview that we all promised you last week with Shanae. Actually, this week. Well, we promised you last week that it would be this week, and then we didn't come through, and it will now be next week. Yes. We're so, re-recording it this weekend. Yes. So come back and listen next Wednesday to Shanae's story. All right. See everybody then. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.